preach and speak from my feelings. Um, but I try to root it in the word of God because, you know, that's important. You know, your feelings are great helpers, but they're horrible leaders. So when you're rooted in your feelings, sometimes you find yourself making rash decisions or making rash comments. I say all of that to say that I felt a stirring in my heart and in my spirit about a word a little while back. And I just felt like it was a word for the church, man. And so I just prayed about it. And God just began to unfold uh, some things in my heart and in my mind. And so today, if you would allow, uh, we're going we're gonna to crack into the word of God. We're going to get into some, some scripture. But I believe God wants to speak to us in our hearts and challenge us a little bit uh, about what it means to have pandemic-proof faith. Uh, pandemic proof faith. So I'm going to pray and then uh, we'll, we'll, we'll jump right in. Is that okay? Is that cool? Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for the opportunity to dive into your word. I, Lord, I just ask that you would empty me of myself, Lord. Fill me with your spirit, God, to preach, God, your word. Strengthen us in this place, I pray. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. Well, the title of my message today is Pandemic Proof Faith. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Hebrews chapter 12. We're going to be uh, talking about a passage of Scripture, verses 25 through 29. I'm going to give you a little bit of context around that verse uh, and then just kind of unpack and unfold from there. But really, honestly, man, this is just like something that God laid on my heart that I believed was something that needed to be preached to the church. And so um, I'm just going to preach. Is that okay? I'm just going to let it fly if that's all right. Um, back in uh, February, I had the opportunity uh, to preach a message called Waiting Well. Uh, little did I know that uh, the events that would unfold following that message would put that message to the test in my own life. I don't know about you, uh, but oftentimes when God speaks to me and gives me an opportunity to preach, I feel like a lot of times it just comes from my life. It comes from things that God has been speaking to me about, that God has been dealing with me about. And so waiting well was definitely a message that was like real time for Pastor Jamal. And then this pandemic hit, right? And it felt like a video game. It felt like you reached level two, right? And it was like, whoa, hold on a second. I thought I understood what I was talking about, what I was preaching about, about waiting well in this regards. And then the pandemic hit and it was like, oh, you meant like waiting well. <laughs> and all of a sudden there, you know, 2020 turned into this year, man, where things began to unravel for people. And, and if I'm being honest, today's message is really, really just geared towards those of us who would call ourselves believers. Those who would call ourselves believers, because ultimately what I thought I understood in the, in the sense of waiting well, I started to unravel myself when it came to this pandemic, and I started to see other believers become unraveled as well. Other believers, people who would call themselves followers of Jesus Christ, a lot of us were exposed. This pandemic came and for many of us, the focus became about what we lost rather than what we already had. It became more about the things that we were no longer able to do as opposed to the things that we were always able to do. And we started to lodge our complaints via social media. <laughs> we started to lodge our complaints to one another. We started to throw out our complaints to whoever would listen 
at proper social distancing, about all the things that we had lost as opposed to all the things that we have already and always had in Christ Jesus. And it made me understand that for a lot of us, the focus was the comforts we turned into idols rather than the things that God had given us to sustain us. The things of comfort that we turned into idols rather than the things that God has given us in order to sustain us in our hearts and in our souls. And it made me think about this one particular passage of scripture in Hebrews. And it, it was like something that popped into my head. It was like weeks, maybe like week, I don't know, seven or eight into the pandemic. And we had uh, a worship night via Zoom. And I had one of the students read this verse uh, as we were doing worship night. But it was something about uh, the, these verses that made me think to myself, man, actually, this is a word from God. And from that moment, it began to stir in my heart. But let's read together Hebrews chapter 12, verses 25 through 29. So if you could do me a favor, open in your Bible. We're going to actually, I need you to do this. And here's the reason why. There's a lot of things that are going to be taking place within what I'm explaining to you. And although this is the context of our verse for today, there are verses surrounding these verses that give you even greater context and greater depth about what we're talking about. So I need you to pop open your Bible, okay, whether it's in your phone or a physical Bible, okay, I need you to pop that open because there's a lot of rich history and truth in what we're talking about today. But we're going to start with Hebrews chapter, 20, or chapter 12, verses 25 through 29. Reads like this. It says, take care, I'm reading from the New English Translation, so. N-E-T. Take care not to refuse the one who is speaking. For if they did not escape when they refused the one who warned them on earth, how much less shall we if we reject the one who warns from heaven? Then his voice shook the earth, but now he has promised, I will once more shake not only the earth, but heaven too. Now this phrase once more indicates a removal of what is shaken, that is of created things, so that what is unshaken may remain. So since we are, so, so since we are recipients of an unshakable kingdom, let us give thanks and through this let us offer worship pleasing to God in devotion and awe. For our God is indeed a consuming fire. Man, woo, what, what's, that's, that's some, in, in the rap culture, we call that, that's a bar, right? It's some fire verse here. In this passage of scripture is some thick, rich theology. But before we get into that, let me give you a little uh, unpacking of the book of Hebrews. Now, the book of Hebrews, by most scholars, they, it's an unknown author. A lot, of, a lot of them don't know who the author is of the book of Hebrews. There are actually some scholars who debate whether or not the author of the book of Hebrews was actually Priscilla, but because she was a woman, they decided to kind of nix, nix that from, from, the, you know, from the records 
because they didn't, you know how things were back then. It wasn't about elevating women at that point. And so there's a, there's a, a school of thought that Priscilla is possibly an author. There's a school of thought that Paul is an author, that he was the one who put together the book of Hebrews. But ultimately, no one really knows, okay? Second thing about the book of Hebrews, if you're looking at an overview of Hebrews, is that it is a comparison and a contrast of Jesus with key Old Testament people and places. So if you understand a lot of Jewish culture and history, it's rooted in the things that they've understood from the Old Testament. And so the author of Hebrews is trying to make a connection between the things that they follow and the things they understand about their own culture and who Jesus is. How Jesus is now the embodiment of the things that they did or or took part of in the beginning. And then this thought here, Jesus is superior, so remain faithful despite persecution. Okay, these are kind of key things that the author of Hebrews is Uh, trying to let you know. He's kind of comparing, contrasting things. And then, listen, you need to remain faithful to Jesus, and he is superior to everything. And we'll get to the idea of faithfulness despite persecution in a little bit. But along with that, the author of Hebrews kind of unpacks all of the book of Hebrews into these kind of like four thoughts here, right? In Jesus, we have found God's word. In Jesus, we have Hope for the new creation. In Jesus, we have an eternal high priest. That's the comparison between him and Melchizedek. And in Jesus, we have an eternal sacrifice. Now, all of these things are super important uh, because if this is what he's, the author is uh, letting his readers understand and know for the, re- the listeners of that day, for us today, it remains the same. So at one point, it was like, hey, you have found God's word in Jesus Christ. In Jesus Christ, you have a hope for new creation. And in Jesus Christ, you have an eternal priest and you have an eternal sacrifice. But if you call yourself a believer, that that applies to you today. In Jesus, we have found God's word. In Jesus, we, us today, have found the the hope for the new creation. And in Jesus, we have an eternal high priest. You know what eternal means? It means forever. Right? And in Jesus, we have an eternal sacrifice. It means he is sufficient. And when I thought of this passage of scripture, and I started to unpack some of the things behind what was woven in and out of this letter to the Hebrew people, it just became more apparent to me about what we were dealing with today. When this pandemic hit, and as it continued to go on, We started to see this unfolding, this unraveling of believers in crazy, crazy ways. I mean, I'm just going to call I'm just going to call it what it is. Right. Like we were upset that we couldn't meet in a building. But why? Our faith has never been tethered to a building. It never has. People were all up in arms because we couldn't come inside because we couldn't be in a building. But for what? Our faith has never been anchored in the four walls of this building. In fact, when Jesus left his disciples, he said, go and make disciples. He gave the command to leave the spot that they were to make an impact on the people of the world. Right? Moving on. 
Then we started to see people up in arms because we have to wear masks. Oh, I don't want to wear a mask. I can't sing without my, I got a mask on. I don't want to sing because, you know, my mask is going to, it's going to inhibit my praise. No, it's not. Our worship is never tethered to the fact that there's a mask on your face. In fact, Paul tells us your life is a living worship sacrifice unto the, unto the Lord. It is your life. It is your being. That is worship unto God. We come in here, we sing songs. That's great. We lift our hands. That's awesome. You know what else is great? Doing the work of the Father for the kingdom to the people around us. This, Paul says, is your reasonable act of worship that your life would be a living sacrifice unto God. Now, why is this important? Why, am I, why does all of this matter in regards to this idea of pandemic-proof faith? The reason why it's important is the more I saw believers complain, the more I realized that if God were to come back during a pandemic, many of us would not be ready. Why? Because we were rooted in the wrong things. We championed the wrong things. And so if Jesus were to come back right now in the midst of a pandemic, some of us would be wondering, oh, but God, like, I stood outside and said, you know what, I want to be inside the building. And God was like, yo, I never told you it was about a building. But God, I, you know, I wanted to worship and they had me wear masks and I never told you that your worship was inhibited by your mask. And for some people, this is the reality in which we live, for some people, we have equated a health crisis to persecution. Can I tell you something? This is not persecution. This is not persecution. In fact, persecution looks completely different than wearing a mask and getting to go to a building and worship God. It looks completely different. And so I looked around and I saw, man, many of us are rooted in the wrong things. We're being rooted in the wrong things. And when I look at the world and I look at the church, something started to kind of like, kind of ping in my brain and made me a little bit upset and hurt because in reality, in hindsight, it was supposed to be us, the church, leading the way, showing people how in the midst of a pandemic, you remained unshakable. It was supposed to be us. And yet we were dropping the ball. And the crazy part about dropping the ball is it was well documented all over social media. Check a social platform, you would find it. Christians complaining about this and about that. And in my mindset, I'm like, man, we're missing an opportunity to be unshakable. And the world, in a time where they needed leaders, were leaderless. In a time where they needed people spirit-filled, filled with the spirit, giving guidance and direction, they couldn't find any, or they found very few. But it was supposed to be us, rooted in the unshakable kingdom of God that allowed people to see that there was something greater about Jesus and about his kingdom than anything in this world that their hearts were tethered to. And so my point is this. I got one point, praise God. One point. Taking notes, here it is. 
if you want your faith to be pandemic proof, it must be rooted in the things that are unshakable. If you want your faith to be pandemic proof, it must be rooted in the things that are unshakable. God forbid that this was a full-scale persecution. Many of us would not make it. And here's why this is so incredibly important. The author of Hebrews is writing this letter in a time where Nero is taking Christians and feeding them to lions. That, my friend, is persecution. Not wearing a mask, not being told you can't be inside of a building. No, persecution is saying, yes, I'm a Christian. Great, I'm going to feed you to a whole pack of lions. That is persecution. And in the midst of that, the author of Hebrews says, no, 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 don't get worried about that. Root yourself in the kingdom because despite everything else, the kingdom of God remains unshakable. Man, now all of a sudden, I'm praying in my heart and in my spirit as I'm, I'm reading this passage of scripture. I'm like, God, man, I, I'm kind of exposed here, Lord, because there's some things that I definitely picked a side on. And God is telling me, yo, you picked the wrong side. You picked the wrong side. You decided to root yourself in things that don't matter. But today, in just a little bit, I'm going to give all of us an opportunity to recalibrate a little bit and root ourselves in the things that are unshakable. Here's what's super duper powerful about these passages of scripture. When I unpack these things with you today, I know that... Man, I just, my heart is burning. I can't explain it except for it is burning. It is burning inside of me that we would be men and women who would lead the world to Jesus Christ. And the only way we do that is we begin to untether our hearts from the things that we think are actually comforts that we've turned into idols and begin to anchor ourselves in the kingdom and the word of God. Here's why this is important. Open up your Bibles. Open up your Bibles. Hebrews chapter 12. We were in verses 25, right? So I'm going to ask you to go back just a little bit further. We're going to start in verses 18 so that you can get a little bit of context about what Jesus is saying here. Remember, the author is comparing and contrasting key Old Testament people, places, and things. And here specifically... This is why this is so important. It's a warning. He's giving a warning, or she, I don't know who the author is. They're giving a warning about what it means to really be men and women of faith. And the contrast that they're giving, they start off with Esau. You guys remember Esau? Esau sold his birthright for a can of soup. And the author of Hebrews, he calls him he calls him immoral and godless because he sold his birthright for a meal. And I'm wondering today if there are many of us here who have decided to give up on things of the kingdom for the things of this world and have forsaken some amazing things that are rooted in the kingdom. Anyway, let's start. Verses 18 through 21. Let's read it together. I'll read it for you. Here goes. It says like this. But follow along. For you have not come to something that can be touched, to a burning fire and darkness and gloom and whirlwind and the blast of a trumpet and voice uttering words such that those who heard begged to hear no more. For they could not bear what was commanded. 
If even an animal touches the mountain, it must be stoned. In fact, the scene was so terrifying that Moses said, I shudder with fear. Now listen, here's what's important. Again, compare and contrast, Old Testament, New Testament. Old Testament, Mount Sinai was a place that was holy, okay? It could not be touched. It could not be touched. And if an animal would touch it, the animal was to be stoned because the mountain was holy, okay? There was a separation, okay? This is important. And in this, also in this, the, 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 the Hebrew people, the Israelites, were fearful. They were afraid. They were like, man, this God is terrifying. I'm not so sure we can approach the mountain. In fact, Scripture tells us that at one point, the Israelites say, Moses, listen, we're too terrified to speak to God, so why don't you speak to him on our behalf? Okay, cool. Moses does. The author of Hebrews is, 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 is painting a very important thing. In this point, you could not come close. You could not touch. Verse 22 through 24. But you have come to Mount Zion. So everyone that's reading this, Hebrews, understand what was the contrast. We couldn't approach this before. Now he's saying, you have come to Mount Zion, the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to myriads of angels, to the assembly and congregation of the firstborn, who are enrolled in heaven, and to, the God, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of the mediator of a new covenant, praise God, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks of something better than Abel's. Listen, this is powerful. This is amazing. What he's saying is what it was before, that's not what it is anymore. You couldn't approach Mount Sinai, but we're not on Sinai anymore, praise God. We're talking about Zion. Somebody give him praise. We're talking about Zion. And because we're talking about Zion, you can approach the throne of God. You can come near to God. This is a different type of motivation. This is a different type of functionality. And even more so, I was so perplexed at why we were talking about Abel in this moment. And then I dug, did some, dig, some digging. I dug deeper, dug deeper. Genesis chapter 4, verse 10. When Cain kills Abel, the scriptures say his blood cried out from the earth to God for justice and judgment. His blood called out to God for justice and judgment. That's what his blood did. That's what his blood did. It cried out to God. Here's the part that it gets even that much crazier. The reason why they're talking about a different blood, about a new covenant that's sprinkled, that speaks of something better. Abel's blood speaks of justice and judgment. But the blood of Jesus Christ, man, it speaks of restoration and forgiveness. This is why the blood of Jesus is better. Man, I'm just... Listen, I'm just trying to preach the word. There is something better found in Jesus when we anchor ourselves in the word of God and the kingdom of God. We find something that is unshakable. Restoration, forgiveness, 
mercy, renewal, rebirth, salvation in the blood of Jesus Christ. And the author of Hebrews is trying to let them know, listen, I know what you're going through right now is persecution. I know what you're going through right now says I need justice and judgment. But the author of Hebrews says, I'm telling you there's something better. And if you would cling to that, you would find an unshakable kingdom. Wow. Wow. This is, here's why this is so crazy. We're arguing about masks and a building. These people are being dragged in the streets to their death. And the author of Hebrews says, you're anchored in something better. Oh, my gosh. And yet here I am complaining about this mask that can't even stay on my face when I'm trying to preach. I'm so upset. <laughs> I am. And yet Jesus is even now speaking, saying, Jamal, preach the word. Because despite the mask, the word of God will go forth. And whether or not you and I decide to allow the spirit to work on us, man, that's between us and God. And if I allow a mask to inhibit the work of God, then, man, I am doing a disservice to the unshakable power of the kingdom of God. What a testimony that people would hear a message through somebody who's struggling through a mask and be convicted in their heart to draw closer to Jesus. Because, see, at that point, it's no longer about the mask and it's, about more, it's more about the power of the Holy Spirit and what Jesus Christ is doing. Let me go on. I don't have a lot of time. Verse 25. So this is our context of our verse, right? So now we understand why he's saying what he's saying. Don't be godless like Esau, right? Trading what is anchored in the kingdom for what is anchored in this world. Don't do that. He calls them godless and immoral, right? And he goes on to say this. Take care not to refuse the one who is speaking, for if they did not escape when they refused the one who warned them about, uh, well, who warned them on earth, how much less shall we if we reject the one who warns from heaven? This is a comparison between Moses' role and Jesus' role. Moses was on earth, two feet on the ground, giving instruction to the people, and they still disobeyed. And they met those consequences. The author of Hebrews is saying, listen, our God and Savior has now risen to the right hand of the Father. He's no longer here, right? He is the one who speaks from heaven. And if the consequences of the one who spoke on earth were definitely dire for the people of the Old Testament, trust and believe. Those who decide to reject the one who speaks from heaven, they won't be able to escape either. That's us. What am I saying? I'm saying simply this. You can choose right now to listen to, man, whatever, I'm here. I don't care. I'm preaching. <laughs> I'm preaching. <laughs> I don't care. I love y'all, but I don't care. You can choose to listen to whatever political party, whatever news channel, whatever social media platform you want to, but I'm telling you right now, their consequences of listening to them compare nothing to consequences of not listening to the one from heaven. They compare, and not even in the slightest. They don't. So root yourselves in the voice that is rooted in the kingdom of heaven. I got to keep going. We don't have a lot of time. Here we go. Verses 26 through 27. This is the part where it starts to get scary. 
says this, then his voice shook the earth, but now he has promised, I will once more shake not only the earth, but heaven too. Now this phrase once more indicates the removal of what is shaken, that is of created things, so that what is unshaken will remain. Let me tell you something about the Lion of Judah. Come on, some, oof. When the Lion of Judah opens his mouth, there is a rattling that takes place in kingdoms on earth and kingdoms in heaven. And when the kingdom of God begins to shake and rattle, when the kingdoms of earth begin to shake and rattle and the word of God comes forth from the Lion of Judah, there is only one thing that will remain. You can compare and contrast all you want. But only one of these things will remain at the end of all things. And trust and believe the Lion of Judah is going to open his mouth once again. He said it. I will once more open my mouth before I shook the earth. Now, though, I'm going to shake the heavens and the earth. And when the Lion of Judah begins to open his mouth, I don't know about you, man, but I start to get myself a little tense a little bit. But I'm praying that in this place and in our hearts and in our souls that we would be men and women who are tethered to what is unshaken. So that what is unshaken will remain. If we're not rooted in the kingdom of God, if there are things in your life not rooted in the kingdom of God, point blank period, it has to go. It has to go. Cast down your idols is what they would say oftentimes in the Old Testament. Throw them down. Root yourselves in the one and only God. Idols that we clung to during this pandemic. And we are, listen, it's all about this. This stuff is just like so, sometimes I'm like, man, this stuff is so, it's so puny. It's so trivial, Jamal. Why are you, for what, man? You're clinging to these things. You're making them idols and trust and believe they will be shaken and removed. Can you just picture this? These things, of these created things that are going to be shaken and then removed, if you are still clinging to those things, where are you going to go? Right out the door with them. This is not rocket science, but I believe it's something that we in our hearts need to get right. Because here's the thing. This is just a health crisis. This is not real persecution. Should real persecution darken the doors of the modern day church, I pray you are rooted in the things that are unshaken. Let's keep going. I don't have a lot of time. Verses 28 through 29. This is what he says. So since we are receiving an unshakable kingdom, if you call yourself a believer and you're rooted in the things of God, and you've received an, you received an unshakable kingdom, kingdom, let us give thanks, and through this, let us offer worship pleasing to God in devotion and awe. And what does Paul tell us is worship, our lives, a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing unto our God. That's what he says in Romans chapter 12. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of what? God's mercy. Offer yourselves as a living sacrifice. For our God is a devouring fire. Therefore, 
you and I get to be grateful. That's what that says. We get to be grateful. Why? I'll tell you why. You get to be grateful that even though we weren't in a building, you were still able to open your mouth and worship and praise God right where you were. Yes or no? Be grateful that some of you were able to work from home and still earn for your family. Yes or no? Ready? Let's take it down. Let's take it a little bit deeper. Let's, let's take it just a little bit deeper. Some people lost their jobs. Some people lost their jobs. So, Pastor Jamal, I lost my job. How am I supposed to be thankful? Well, be thankful that your identity is not rooted in your job. But that your identity is rooted in an unshakable kingdom. Well, what does that do? I don't know, Pastor Jamal, how does that even help me in, in that situation? I, I still need to earn for my family. I still need to feed my family. Well, praise God. If you're part of the unshakable kingdom, the Bible speaks about it like this. It says, I have never seen the righteous forsaken or begging for bread. Yes or no? Yes or no? So if you are rooted in the unshakable kingdom, whether you have a job or don't have a job, the scriptures say that as a righteous person is rooted in the kingdom of God, you are never seen lacking because you are tethered to something greater. Some people say it like this, come hell or high water, I will not bow my knee because I trust in the kingdom of God. I trust in him. And whether it's persecution or a health crisis, if I remain in the things that are unshakable, guess what? I'm taken care of from top to bottom. I don't have to worry about anything else. I'm going to ask the worship team or to come on up. And as the worship team is coming... And as over in building B, Pastor Bonnie and Pastor Matt are getting ready. I just want to open up the altars because I believe that there's just one thing that God wants from us. Our hearts. Fully and completely. Our hearts. Fully and completely. Our hearts. Fully and completely, not colored with the lens of social media, not colored with the lens of opinions, not colored with the lens of news reports or political parties. No, our hearts tethered to the kingdom fully and completely. And so here's the, here's the call today. I want to open up the altars. And I want to invite us today. Man. I just believe in my heart that I just whatever. This is what it is. I found myself at a place where I was giving energy and credence to things that were very much shakable. And I had to repent, man. That's just what it is. That's what it is. When you have idols in your heart, you've got to throw them down and repent, period. So today I wanna open the altars simply as this, and I genuinely, I just, can I just say this? And 
I think sometimes we get into these spaces and we're like, oh, what, what is so-and-so going to think about me? What is this person going to think about me if I go to the altar? Forget them, okay? This is not about them. This is about you and your heart. So the call is simple. You're in this place today. Say, Pastor Jamal, I, dude, I, there's some things that, I, that are, they, they need to be shaken. They need to be gone. And I, I, they just need to be gone. I need to come, lay them before the Lord, and repent. If that's you this morning, I want to invite you to come. I want to be able to pray with you this morning. I openly tell you right here, right now, man, I had some things I had to throw down. Some things that I had to throw down to root myself in what is unshakable. So I want to invite you today, if that's you, Pastor Jamal, I've got some things, or maybe I had some things that I need to lay down and repent and root myself back in the kingdom of God. If that's you, I want to invite you this morning to come on up, and I want to pray with you. 